Good evening, Brother Ian. Good evening, Commander. The castle of Doctor Who fandom is quiet this evening. No social justice warriors trouble our borders. Let us hope it is ever so. I can't stand them with their progressive views and tolerant attitudes. I keep asking myself, why can't everything remain the way it was when I was a boy? Yes, back when men got to do all the good stuff and women were just there to be looked at and perhaps kissed at the end. Those were the days. I can't stand these SJWs. They are an abomination. I know they're out there, waiting in the darkness. I can almost hear their mutterings. Why can't a thousand-year-old alien who has always been able to look like anyone be a woman or non-white? I'll tell you why, because that's not how he was written in the 60s. And if Doctor Who is about anything, it's about how change is bad and diversity should be actively discouraged. You're right, of course, Brother Ian. The Doctor, as a character, has always been known for his adherence to strict rules and his suspicion and hatred of minorities. Shall we say the Toxic Knight's Watch oath, Brother Commander? Good idea, Brother Ian. Night gathers, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. Mostly because I am involuntarily celibate. I shall wear no cosplays and write no fanfic. Such activity reeks of fake geek girl fandom. I shall live and die at my post, watching old DVDs of Tom Baker. I am the cowardly tweet in the darkness. I am the paragraphs of mansplaining wank in the comment section. I am the shield that guards fandom from the corrupting influence of anyone who does not look like me. I pledge my life and honor to the Toxic Knight's Watch for this night and all the nights to come. Um, hi there. Who goes there? It's a woman. My palms just got all sweaty and I dropped my spear. What do you want? I just want to come into the castle of Doctor Who's fandom. Never. You shall never enter here. We are the gatekeepers. What possible credentials could you have? Oh, um, it's just that I love that the Doctor's a woman. And also, I really like David Tennant's bottom. Blasphemy! Quick! Use the cannon on her! Blast at her smithereens! Yes, sir. What's this? The cannon, sir. I don't see anything. Just just a little platform on wheels. It's a cannon, sir. I can see it. Big, shiny, TARDIS blue. As it should be. You're sure it's there? Yes, sir. Then prepare to fire! Of course, sir! Shoot! Fuse lit, sir. Three, two, one. Take cover. Is it going to fire? It just did, sir. Did it? Yes, sir. Very loud. We gave it some extra powder this time. There is no cannon. What? There is no cannon. There's just a bunch of stories. A blue box an eccentric genius, and all of time and space. That's the beauty of it. 
I'm going into the castle now. Perhaps you should stay out here? She went into the front door! She, she can't do that, can she? And was that a party I heard? I don't know, Brother Ian. But perhaps it's best if we stay out here. After all, we can't leave the cannon unattended. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. Show being a word that is both an English word and a Jadoon word. Uh we are the and Oodcast a French word meaning hot. Wow. Just like you. Thanks. Really? Oh, show, sure, yeah. 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 I know enough French to get that joke. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Ucast. Uh, professional, as always, my name is Chris Mead. I will be your co-host for the next half hour. And with me is my lovely wife, Laura Mead. Hello. And my excellent friend, Chris Foston. Hello. Oh, he's a good egg. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and we are here today to talk about Fugitive of the Jadoon. I'm going to chair this episode, so I'm going to just quickly start off by saying that this is hands down my favourite episode of the Chibnall era, or the 13th Doctor era. So there we go. That is my gauntlet on the table right to begin with, but we're going to go to Laura for first thoughts. Well, I really liked it. The thing I liked about it the most, I think, is the... a newfound range within the episode that Jodie Whittaker achieved. I think she was given so much more to play with. She was able to be vulnerable and she looked vulnerable. She sounded vulnerable and at the same time, angry and strong. And it was just brilliant to see her interacting with the Doctor as the Doctor and find out sort of <laughs> oh, so many new facets of her personality and of the Doctor's personality at the same time, which I loved. Great. There's an opening salvo from Laura there. Chris, what did you think? My main reaction was something like the... the like your brain dribbling I out was, your ears. Yeah, I was, yeah, slightly blown away because I think the ambition of it was vast. And once you start from there, I don't really care whether you fulfill it. That's what I want Doctor Who to do. <laughs> do something massive and sweeping and confusing that is brilliantly entertaining and i think that's what they did there once they stopped um what's the word i'm thinking about fannying around mm-hmm. with the jadoon because the jadoon were good in this actually yeah i, I thought it was a really good mm. element but they did just stand outside a building a lot and that was it which is fair enough i mean that's sort of their job yeah i think they were really effective in this episode yeah the the jack kind of booted terror well yeah i oh, think you went to the jack i day. did as the world descends into right-wing, strong-arm, authoritarian <laughs> governments, the Jadoon gets scarier, mm. which is weird, isn't it? But, okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the new Doctor. I'm going to 
bookend this discussion. I think we talk about it for a maximum of five minutes because I expect we could talk about this for the entire mm. episode and go on to nothing else. <laughs> so let's talk about theories. Let's talk about how we um, reacted to this new Doctor and just, yeah, let's ch chat about her. The brilliant Joe Martin. Um, who would like to start? I've got things to say. Great. Yeah, but you're a woman, so let's start with me. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no that would be so funny. <laughs> Uh, so in Jodie's first episode, she smashed through a glass ceiling to become the Doctor and this and train Doctor Joe slash Ruth, what are, we, what are we calling her? The Joe Doctor. The Joe Doctor. No, I don't think we should call her that. That's too Jadoony. It is, isn't it? She also smashed through some glass. <laughs> oh, metaphor, metaphor. No, but right from the very start, I loved her character. I loved her easy, happy interactions with people, her love of knowledge. She was very, very doctory and very mm. likable straight away. And then when she became the doctor, <gasps> just physically, vocally, she was so authoritative. She yeah. had brainy specs. <laughs> she had brainy specs. She was hot I she had a great it. costume she was very show um, and I, I was just so happy to see her striding out taking control of the situation but I was also so happy to see her incredible TARDIS which looked amazing that is my new desktop wallpaper on my computer it's beautiful it's so not, and I, I've seen a lot of people complaining, like, why have we got all this extra stuff in the TARDIS? This is the TARDIS we want to see. And I, I think I sympathise with that to a certain degree because it's so simple, but beautiful. And it looks modern as well. So I'm, yeah, that, that was a really big um, squee moment for me. And Less I don't like have that many a anymore. dead crystal spider. <laughs> yeah. is... Well, the time rotor is actually mimicking the first Doctor's time rotor. The blown glass and stuff is very mm. evocative of that first first TARDIS con console room, which is obviously leading a lot of people to think that perhaps that this Doctor is somewhere around uh, second to third, maybe. That, that's where they think is the only place that she could fit in without ruining everything. Well, why shouldn't <laughs> she have come before the first Doctor? Oh, don't what start. What if the Doctor <laughs> is the timeless child who never has had any limitations on regeneration mm. and had some kind of mind wipe thing I've before seen good they became... I've seen good theories Hartnell. that would make that work as a story yeah. that I quite like. Yeah. So, I, I'd, you know... Do you want the fan wank reason why that can't be possible? No. Okay. <laughs> I've had enough of fan wank. Stop it, fan wankers. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So um, obviously another popular theory is that she is a parallel doctor. And that made me think of something that we never did because we had an idea mm. for an audio drama series um, that we were going to present. We were going to like write and record it, which we called the, the nth, nth doctor. doctor. And the idea of that was in uh, the end of time, there's this line that the, the doctor says where they're talking about the com combatants in the time war, and one of them is called the Could Have Been King with its army of meanwhiles and never wers. And we thought about this idea about what happens if never wers were versions of the galaxy's great heroes that were sort of corrupted and different in some way, who are evil. So our doctor was going to appear to be the real doctor, mm. but actually be violent and awful. And during the course of the series, you'd realise that the person you were following wasn't actually the Doctor. And I think having that idea in my mind made me think that perhaps the Joe Doctor was like a violent version of the Doctor. But now re-watching it, 
She isn't. She's no more violent than the Doctor. Yet. No, <clears throat> she... Um, because our Doctor says, oh, the Doctor doesn't use guns. And she says, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so actually, first time through, I was like, is this a sinister Doctor? Is this a sort of a Doctor that's bad and, and, and is using her intellect for, for gain and to be evil? But actually, no, she is a little bit more... Fighty, but no more fighty she than the rips third doctor. Dune's horn off. Sure, but I, I'm just saying she isn't any really any more violent than the third doctor was, and we don't think no. of him as evil. Um, so actually, yeah, brilliant doctor. And I know I've now spoiled. We can never write that well, doctor. Well, well I, either you know, I was going to say I don't think we've ever talked about that on the podcast, which means presumably we're going to be asked to do it by a lot of people now. Maybe, <laughs> but that was the big twist ending. Ooh, just wait till you see what I have planned well, for the companions in that piece. It, it was the twist ending. Yeah. <laughs> Should we already have a new one in mind? Oh, nuts. I mean, not many we people don't. listen to this. I think it'll be fine still to do it. Spoilers. But I was just so excited about that idea. Now, Chibnall has said that it, she isn't an That's alternative right, yeah. doctor, but showrunners lie all the time. And the and it's just such an interesting thing that they, neither of them recognise each other, and that's what makes this such a unique multi-doctor story. Because normally they know the chronology yeah. of their mm. own mm-hmm. personas, but they that's don't why hear. I think it has to be before. But has she to be before one. But she would still know, surely, because it's still but, her. But guys, that's the thing. What if everything that you knew or you'd been taught by the Gallifreyans was, was a lie? A lie. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So loads of really exciting things there. And I think the fact that we don't know and there isn't an obvious answer is great. Yeah. I will perhaps put a break on that conversation now so we can talk about other elements of the episode. Okay, but just very quickly, so cool to have the first black woman playing the Doctor. Come on, let's do it. Let's have more of this sort of thing. And she's so good in it as well. Yes, we love her. Not just because of what she looks like, just because it was a cracking good performance showed where the character can be taken in a really spectacular and exciting so, way. So what is true when you're learning to drive is true with hosting the Ucast in that if you want to stop a conversation, you have to factor in a stopping distance. You do, yeah. <laughs> and that's also reminded me that I loved all the things about the fact that her childhood, she grew up in a building with a light on top. That made me laugh a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. And her job is talking enthusiastically about places to other people. That's the doctor's job. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We have finished this conversation now, though. We have, yes, we have, we have. Yep. Hey, it's me, Chris Chibnall. Oh, morning, Chris, morning Chibnall. Chris Chibnall. So, gang, what do you think of my ideas? They were amazing, Chris Chibnall. The return of Captain Jack, such a brilliant idea. And bringing the Jadoon back now as a commentary on strong-arm government is a stroke of genius. Oh, I love the fact you're making the Doctor a shade more brooding. It's great character progression. And it also connects this incarnation with her previous selves in a really interesting way and the new doctor reveal is just the most audacious bit of television writing i've read in forever truly spine tingling i got goosebumps yeah love the mystery love the surprise multi-doctor element love the fact she's a woman of color and especially the fact that she doesn't recognize our doctor that's really intriguing no sonic screwdriver what does that mean tell me now That's what the audience will be saying. Yeah, uh, this season is going to be absolutely packed with reveals. I almost wonder how we'll fit it into 10 episodes. What do you mean 10 episodes? Uh, Those ideas are just for episode (laughs) 5. 
Oh, you're serious. Yeah, I think we'll just put all my ideas in that one episode. Are, are you sure, Chris Chibnall? Because episode three could probably do with another idea or two. No, episode three has my Planet of the Apes idea. That's enough. Everything else goes in episode five. I, Chris Chibnall, have spoken. He's gone. Or was he ever here at all? Maybe the real Chris Chibnall is the friends we made along the way. So, what else did we like about this episode? Well, I loved how, for the first time, I was guessing what was going to happen. <laughs> uh, for, when I say for the first time in a while, I was like, ooh, what if she is a mm, and it could be, ooh, he is a mm, decoy, ooh. So the whole way through the episode... <laughs> many... Laura guesses things in a kind of jazz, freeform yeah, jazz way. Jazz guessing. Ooh, is that just going to be wow. Wait a second, is it not? Oh, hey. um, so that's what I was doing the whole way through the episode. And uh, we were watching it while sitting above a club in Amsterdam. <laughs> um, and we got very, very excited when Captain Jack Harkness boffed back into the scene. Is it boffed a, a good... He, I mean, he boffs a lot. It's so. always good to <laughs> use boffing <laughs> when you're talking Jack. about Captain Jack. And um, the person who was sitting opposite us was like, oh, is that the big twist? And we were like, yeah, he's not been <laughs> in it for at least seven years. Oh, wait. Mm. An even bigger twist. It was the M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong of episodes. It wasn't. Twist upon no, twist. It was quite good. Don't go down that road. Uh, no, no, he's done some good stuff. It was packed. It was absolutely packed with stuff, with ideas. Uh, it was joyful. It just seemed to throw out a new brilliant thing every few minutes. How, how did we feel about Jack returning? So-so. Oh. It's fine. I think <clears throat> the problem that I had with it wasn't that he came back. He was, you know, the same character, good. I'm glad to see Jack back in some ways. They didn't do anything with him. They didn't do anything with those scenes and they could have been something for the companions to do. Mm -hmm. And no, they just one kissed him and then just said, I'm not the doctor. And the other two just, he had the same conversation three times basically. And then said, oh, by the way, here's this thing for a future episode. Bye. I'll be back for the Christmas special. Bye. uh, I wanted him to do more. I think it it feels like that bit was the one bit that left me thinking, what? But, you know. He, it's good to have someone like Jack back in, you know, it does feel a little bit like, um, here's the greatest hits, but I, I'm happy with that because everything else was so new and so bold. It worked. I wanted him to meet the doctor so yeah. much. And yes. I think it's quite so. smart to delayed enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear it's stronger when it happens if you do delay it. Um, Great. Tea. She's talking about making tea. Yes, cups of tea. Um, So something else that I liked is you had all this high vaulted architecture of plot, all the twists and turns and fantastic character acting. But then you also had really stupid ass little funny throwaway (laughs) moments like the rubbish leave him cake, (laughs) the the flirty (laughs) baker. Well, the stalker baker is probably <laughs> yeah. a bit more accurate. And um, something that I know you really loved, Sigma, is that the little tiny Jadoon bomb, which 
I can honestly say he laughed until tears went down the side of his face I when did, he heard it speaking. When the Jadoon speaks normally, they have a real gravelly bass voice, but the little bomb only had a tiny little tweety speaker. <laughs> so he sounded like he was like Kermit E. Frog. I still love it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, so that made me laugh a lot. Um, uh, I also... Uh, this is going to make me seem really bad, but I quite like the brutal old lady death. So hear me out. Normally, old ladies only get to die in their sleep, really. They're they're there in the plot in order to sort of die peacefully. And you never really see one disintegrated until it's a little skeleton in the background. What about, no, 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 no. One of the previous Jadoon episodes, the Jadoon Patoon upon the moon, the Hemavore is an old lady and she meets a sticky end. I know, but this was just a frail old lady and she just like ran away and then got electrocuted. And I was like, mm. wow, you don't see that very often. Mm. Well, Daniel Barton killed his a, uh, aged mother in Spyfall. But that wasn't hilarious. No, true. <laughs> okay, it does make me a bad person. I, I just, I don't know. I just think it was quite interesting. The podcast does not approve of pensioner death. It just put me in mind of that bit in... Hot fuzz where Simon Pegg drop kicks that old lady <laughs> in a field. <laughs> that 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 was funny. But elder violence is bad, listeners. It is. You can e push your granny off a bus. There's like a ninety percent chance I'll just edit this whole bit out of the episode. Oh. Nah. I wanted to see how it played. <laughs> nah. Well, I enjoyed it. If that helps. <laughs> so I have a few more thoughts. If you don't have any more, go on. Number one. The companions always arrange themselves into a shallow triangle. <laughs> they <laughs> like, do. Like, <laughs> they absolutely do. <laughs> it's like they have drill formation. They're like, oh, the doctor's speaking. Let's arrange ourselves into a very shallow triangle and nod. Or let's sit in a shallow triangle. <laughs> I mean, there are three of them. Is there any shape that they can be that's a line? not a triangle? A line. Yeah. yeah. A We're semi-circle. in a line. A nice oh, no, We're still in a, triangle. a line. Uh, I, I mean, is... What I'd be quite interested to see is, is the point facing towards the Doctor at some points, like they're in a flying V formation, uh, or are they receding from the Doctor? I would like, like to chevron. see them stand in a line in height order mm, in I'd every like episode. Or one ha- handstand on the shoulders of another one. Oh, all three! It's That's a shame. The, companion pyramid. <laughs> the Doctor just looks around and they're all in one <laughs> tall... Formation. It's a shame that one of them doesn't have a name beginning with an, a vowel because then they could stand in an order that made a, a word. Oh, yeah. I mean, that oh. I, I would really quite like that to be. If, if Ryan goes in the middle with Graham on the left and Yaz on the right, then I mean, if you write it in capital letters, then the R looks a bit like an A and it could be subverting everything that all the angry, uh, angry men think about the show. Oh, or, they're almost spelling gay. Oh, um, what? Seriously? No, I don't really think that. <laughs> well, with, with the letters of their names, it, it could be like a, a strangled cry for help. Yuck. <laughs> yes. So there we are. Could I be think... trying to spell grey. Yeah. Or they're missing a friend. They just have to wait Ooh. until Emily or Eleanor turns up. Or Amelie or Adele. Oh, yeah. Yes. Depending on how you spell grey. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
I've still got more to talk about the old lady and the fact that she had her knitting needles <laughs> blown up. Save that. You've done that. You've done it. Okay. Move on to some of your next things. I was thinking about Chris Chibnall. Oh, as you often do. I feel like the Ood cast, way back in time, we sort of made a joke that he was the only writer that we didn't like. He was the only person we were allowed to be really <laughs> negative no! about. Yeah. Yes. And he's not a great writer of dialogue or character or, <laughs> or plot story or <laughs> plot but hear me out I'm, I'm being positive um, what he is greater and possibly the best at is being a showrunner so that's not mm. about the individual moments but about the arc I think this arc the master finds Gallifrey and finds something so terrifying and so horrible that he goes mad and kills everyone and the doctor's chasing after him to find out what it is. At the same time, there's another version of the doctor who is, um, yes, yeah, slightly m- more violent, slightly more willing to go there and she doesn't know who this person is. This is amazing story arc i think it blows all of the other story arcs out of the water i think it's so exciting Mm. so chibnall as uh the people he casts his commitment to diversity um his even like the way that that it looks now i love the title sequence Mm. i love the graphic design of it uh i love everything about how he is a showrunner on this except his actual writing but everything else, I think he's masterful at. I think he's really, really good. I'm so impressed with him on all of those levels. I just wish he could write a joke and, uh, you know, do something interesting with the kind of plot in, in any one episode. Mm. It's interesting because uh, I think it's really notable that this episode was written by him and Vinay Patel, who wrote one of the best episodes of the previous series. Yeah, um, And I, I think if that works then there's no reason why they shouldn't do that more often. Patel for the dialogue, Chibnall for the sweeping arc. Nice. I'm making making T-shirts with that on. (laughs) Even down to the stuff like, okay, we'll get a returning monster and we'll make a big deal of that in all of our promotional material and we'll hide within that the fact that we've got all this other stuff that's happening in this episode, which no one's going to be looking for because we're making a big thing of the Judoon. That's the kind of meta show running, keeping the surprises that no Mm. one else has been capable of. Except I think what they could have done with it was also big up the fact that Jack was coming in because that would have got a lot more people watching. Watching for the big reveal. Mm. But, you know... That's that feels like such a small complaint given the rest of it. Yeah, that I'm, you know, I'll let it go this time. Thanks, Chris. This time, Chibnall. This time, Chibnall. <laughs> do do do, carving a gravestone. That's my job. Elegant exposition in a song. Shoo bee bee wah wah. Good morning. My name's Lee. I'd like to buy a gravestone. Of course. Um, I'm sorry for your loss, sir. My what? Your loss, sir. If you're buying a gravestone, I presume that you've lost someone close to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, uh, well, I have, in a way. Do you have an inscription in mind? Well, I hadn't really had a chance to think about it, to be honest. Uh, everything's moving so fast. Uh, of course, sir. Well, perhaps we could start with the name. Oh, right, yeah, um, the name... <laughs> How about Tara Dis? 
Are you all right, sir? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. And I've changed my mind. I want the name to be Tim. And the surname? And space. Tim and space. <laughs> Look, I know grief affects people in very different ways, but... No, w- w- wait. My friend's name is actually Cow. Cowbox. No, <laughs> uh, no, I tell a lie. Mr. Too Open. Paul Too Open. <laughs> this is highly inappropriate, sir. No, I'm sorry. You're right. I, I got carried away. I'll, I'll calm down now. The truth is, there's been two deaths. Cameron Leon and the Knight of the Realm, Christopher Malfunction. I see. Well, now we're getting somewhere. They do prefer to use shortened versions of their names, though. Uh, I'll write them down for you. Here you go. Cammy Leon Circuit Malfunction. (laughs) Get out of my shop. Okay, but can I quickly buy a blank one? Christopher Foston, I think now is the time for a haiku that is going to somehow just get the entire plot down into three lines okay christopher mead but you've got this one so sorry here is the haiku for the fugitive of the judoon rhino police force find new depths to the doctor contract is cancelled encapsulate that's the word i wanted (laughs) and what you did encapsulate Mm. that was possibly the hardest haiku i've ever had to write about doctor who yes i can see why (laughs) so much i'm glad it's i mean it was so hard that i blanked it out of my memory and when i came to write it today i found one that i'd written last week (laughs) so hooray (laughs) well i guess all that we need to do now is go on to our final section of the podcast which is can we tell you What's making us feel good this week? That's right. What's making us feel good this week? Hang on, there's a jingle. Yeah, there oh. is. Have you do not listen to the no. show? <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the beginning just to make sure it works. Yeah, there's a, there's a really good... Have you not listened to it? It's, re- it's a great I jingle. I haven't heard it's, the jingle, no. It's like three-part harmony. I was so embarrassed yeah. by how unprepared I was for that that I haven't listened to that bit. I will go back and find it, though. Well, I'll play it to you afterwards. It's really good. Um, Laura, what's making you feel good this week? I'm a massive fan of an almond croissant, which if you really squinted and looked at it in a dark room, could look a bit like the horn of a jadoon. However, I have recently discovered (laughs) (laughs) the bastard offspring of a cookie and an almond croissant. It's an almond cookie from Amsterdam, right? Yeah. And it's, it's like a sort of a hard cookie, hard sweet cookie. But inside is this lovely almond paste of the kind that fills the very best almond croissants. It turns out that p- Dutch people like this almond paste so much, you can buy whole jars of it in a supermarket. <gasps> now, it may seem to the naked ear like Laura hadn't thought of anything for this bit and just busking as she goes along but that's not true and also i tried three different varieties <laughs> i can confirm that all three were spectacular to eat there we go Good. wow i wish i'd brought some home with me so almond croissant cookie biscuits are what's making you feel good this week yes i want one so badly oh that's a sad ending <laughs> 
So the, the thing that's making me, f- the, well, that made me feel good the week that I, we watched this episode, I'm going to do it that way around, um, is a film that actually is several years old, but I realised um, I watched it properly for the first time in ages that week. Um, and I realised how many connections it had to Doctor Who. It was a film called The Lady in the Van, by, uh, which is written by Alan Bennett. It's oh, based yes. on the book of with the Maggie same Smith. name. With Maggie Smith. Um but it basically has all of uh, all of the cast of the History Boys um, film and play in it as well, which includes Russell Tovey and Sasha Dewan in particular. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it that's a nice. I thought that was a nice link. But the film is um, warm and funny, as you'd expect from Alan Bennett, and it's really touching as well it's a, a beautiful film and it's very funny and that week i was a bit poorly so it was the perfect thing to watch and it yeah it, it made me feel very good great week. would you like to know an interesting thing about that film no oh yeah yeah go on then. okay so you know you get all those celebrity gossip sites that you have to click through about six different links to get to and it'll take you to somewhere terrible and show oh. you many adverts in the yes. meantime it always uses stills from the lady in the van to say, it's so tragic what's happened to Maggie Smith. Look where she lives now. <laughs> in the same vein as, oh, Sasha Baron Cohen's marriage is falling apart. Or look at Julie Andrews's chin. That kind of thing. But yeah. And these are all illustrated by pictures of Maggie Smith from the, from the, the lady van. in the van. <laughs> now she lives in a van. <laughs> Professor McGonagall oh, has fallen on yeah. hard times. Look at Julie Andrews' chin in that van. <laughs> oh. This week, same week as this episode came out, was also the finale of one of my favourite TV shows of modern times, The Good Place, mm. which is an amazing series. Um, and it And it came to an end this week. And... I think there's a link with Doctor Who here because yeah. there's this thing that it, it's set in the good place, which is the afterlife, and time moves differently there. And at one point, they do a straight line of what time is like on Earth, and then they show how time moves in the good place. Mm. And it just by some cosmic coincidence, time spells out the words Jeremy Beremy. Um, <laughs> so, the, <laughs> so the loop, yeah, time itself spells out Jeremy Beremy, which has got to be a timey-wimey reference. <laughs> there is no way that the writers of the Jeremy Beremy episode of The Good Place have not uh, seen Doctor Who. So it ends this week. Um, it is beautiful. The ending is a meditation on loss and companionship and what it is to be human, which is a brilliant thing to do in a sitcom. Uh, it's really incredible. And also... Jeremy Beremy, timey wimey wibbly wobbly. Thank you. Thank you. So that's another week of the Ucast, another week of Doctor Who. Thank you so much for lending your ears to our conversation. We are, are forever grateful. And hey, come and join the community on Facebook, the community on Facebook, and write us a review if you can on iTunes or something, because apparently that's really good for us from a listener point of view. Um, other than that, see you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.
Blow, 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 blow,